everyone, this is Abhilasha Chauhan and you are listening to Startup Tuesdays. In this episode 10, I'll talk with Ditesh Banglani, who is partner at Stellaris Venture Partners. Previously, he served as a partner at Helium Ventures, where he focused on early-stage investments in internet, mobile and digital media businesses. Prior to joining Helium Venture Partners, he served as a Vice President and Senior Investment Advisor at IDG Ventures India. Today, we are going to talk about startup fundraising. So let's get started. Hello, Ritesh. Please tell us a little about yourself. Sure. So I have been a venture capitalist for uh, close to a decade now. Um, I Most recently, I was with uh, Helium Ventures as a partner. Uh, prior to that, uh, I have been with another venture fund called IDG Ventures and before that I have about a decade of operating experience in uh, technology companies including sales, uh, product management uh, and technology. So uh, I would say my career has been split 50-50 uh, into operating roles as well as uh, uh, investing roles in venture capital funds. Okay, so how did you get into venture capital? How was your early days? Oh, um, I used to be at a startup company uh, called July Systems. And uh, uh, I used to attend uh, uh, some of the board meetings uh, uh, where I would interact with venture capitalists. And got to interact with, uh, with several VCs at that point. I realized that uh, this seems to be an extremely intellectually satisfying role. Uh, and uh, uh, eventually, I guess, I was head-hunted into a VC role uh, about 10 years ago. You've been in venture capital for more than 15 years. So, how do you know when a small idea has a big potential? You know, uh, the market that the particular uh, startup is addressing plays a big part. Uh, because uh, you might have the best idea which is applicable to a tiny or a niche market and uh, that will probably not result uh, in a big outcome. Uh, but uh, so certainly the, uh, the size of the market, the uh, stage of development of the market play a very big role. Uh, the most important thing uh, in analyzing a particular uh, startup business is the quality of the management team, uh, both in terms of their ability to execute, but also the strength of their conviction, uh, the, their ability to uh, understand the problem and uh, and create the right solution for the problem. Uh, I think that's uh, that, that is a very big determinant of how large an outcome is. There. And my belief is that if you put the right team in a large market, they will figure out the exact business model. They will figure out the product. So uh, these are the two items that I prioritize more than anything else and uh, leave the details of the business model to be figured out by the management team as opposed to the VC, uh, you know, considering that uh, uh, in too much detail. Okay, so what do you think, what should one know before starting a business? I don't think that knowledge is a big determinant of success in a, in a startup company. So in fact, I would say that the uh, uh, that, that the correlation works the other way around. Sometimes when you're a domain expert, uh, it is very hard to disrupt uh, the incumbent in a domain where you, where you know too much about that domain. Because uh, in order to disrupt, you need to unlearn first uh, and then learn. So it takes a, uh, 
if, if there is a lot of unlearning needed, if you have spent 20 years in a particular industry and then you are trying to disrupt it, sometimes you feel you fall prey to the same biases that you are trying to disrupt. Uh, so I worry a lot about it when, when somebody says this is how things are done here. That's a very bad sign in the startup world uh, because you need to be able to innovate from the ground up as opposed to necessarily uh, uh, needing to know a lot about the industry. So I've found, at least in my experience, that the best disruption comes from people who are relatively naive about the problems in the industry. Uh, because then you can start solving those problems from the ground up. Uh, so knowledge is not a big uh, factor in my opinion. The, the big factors are one, strength of conviction. So it is a problem that, you know, in our industry people talk a lot about passion. It is not passion for creating a startup in my mind that, uh, that that drives successful entrepreneurs. It is the passion to solve that particular problem. You must feel deeply about that problem uh, and have the strength of conviction that you can solve that problem. Uh, so more than, in my mind, more than knowledge, conviction is important. Uh, second, it must be a problem that you know something about. The domain might not be uh, somewhere where knowledge is important, but the problem needs to be felt deeply, the problem needs to be analyzed in great depth uh, before you set out, uh, before you set out uh, solving it. Uh, the second item that I think is important is uh, 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 resilience and execution. Uh, because startups are not easy and it is very, very easy to give up uh, uh, while you are starting up and especially in the early stages before it is even clear whether this is a workable business or not. And uh, that is where I think a lot of the startups that falter, falter in the early stages because while the entrepreneurs might believe uh, the conviction part but they do not necessarily have the resilience of execution that even when things are not going well, let us keep plugging away at it. So in my mind these two are very good predictors of uh, what you need to have before you start up. Uh, as opposed to personally having domain knowledge or experience in that particular industry. What do you think who should start a company? How could one decide if he's the right person to do it and is it worth doing? So uh, it's a difficult question to answer because you it's not as if you can put entrepreneurs in a mold that there are good entrepreneurs and there are poor entrepreneurs. I think uh, if anything the by definition entrepreneurs break the mold. So, uh, I think rather than think about whether you are the right person to start a company, I think you need to think about only these two things. Do I feel deeply enough about that problem to dedicate my career to solving that problem, to take the risk? I mean, it's a, uh, starting a company is a fool's errand. Nobody in their right mind would become an entrepreneur. Uh, you need to be crazy to begin with to, uh, to become an entrepreneur. So if you are going to take such an extreme step of sacrificing potentially your career uh, in order to solve a problem, you better deeply believe in that, uh, in that problem. Second, you need to assess whether you and the team around you bring sufficient skills, knowledge and expertise to the table to be able to meaningfully solve that problem. Now I might feel very deeply about putting a man on the moon. But I know that I don't have the skills to put a man on the moon. 
right so i think it needs uh, these two need to be need to come together uh, your conviction in the problem as well as your your capabilities in solving that problem or execution capabilities and when you've got that match and as an entrepreneur you always know whether you have that match or not i think then is a good time to start a company okay so what methods do you use to assess the applicants um it's a very hard question because entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes i mean uh, uh, i can't say that the the best entrepreneur is 30 years old and has an ivy league education uh, because it doesn't work that way i think what we try to do is to fit the entrepreneur to the problem if the if we feel for example uh there's an there's a consumer internet startup uh where the entrepreneur has deep conviction under, has understood that space as a consumer and brings the right technical skills to be able to create a product to solve that problem i think that's that's a good fit and then i don't need 15 years of experience uh in that particular technical area or uh, or in that particular domain uh if on the other hand it is a highly technical industry uh then having demonstrated execution in that uh, on that axis is going to be important so uh who should start a company is not an easy question to answer i think you need to fit and as we see we do fit the nature of the problem to the team that is going about solving that problem okay uh when should a startup raise capital and why it is required at the first place a very good question i think venture capital in particular is not for everyone i think uh, uh venture capital is a very specific form of funding that fits a particular type of company and the type of company it fits is a company that that is that is high risk but should be able to scale exponentially and if it works out should be able to create a very large outcome in terms of the size of the company. there are many worthwhile problems to solve which are not uh, good for venture capital uh, and that doesn't mean entrepreneurs should not solve those problems in fact some of the most successful entrepreneurs have bootstrapped and uh, solved problems that are not necessarily uh, suitable for venture capital but a company should look for venture capital when it sees uh, a few elements one the ability to scale rapidly two the ability to utilize technology to scale without adding people uh three the ability to grow big enough to generate a meaningful enough outcome for themselves as well as for their investor so when some of these elements come together that is a good industry for a vc to invest in uh and uh, as far as the stage is concerned i think the right time the 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 stage at which you approach a vc is different for what round of funding you're going for i think uh, uh if you think you have identified the problem but haven't yet figured out a solution to that problem typically such startups will go in for seed funding uh which is uh, the highest risk funding uh and typically you raise small amounts of money to figure out whether your uh, your solution is a good fit for the market uh, for the market problem and typically you'll raise less than half a million dollars uh, at that stage when you think that you have the right solution 
but you want to test it out on the market. That typically is the stage for uh, Series A investing. Uh, when you iterate on the, you think you have a solution, you have a product ready, you want to learn from the market, iterate on that product and come up with a solution that you think is highly scalable. Uh, that is a good time to raise uh, Series A funding. Series B funding is typically raised when you when you have figured out the right scalable solution and now you want to put in capital in order to scale that business very, very rapidly. And that is why Series B uh, fundings are typically large uh, in nature, upwards of $10 million. Um, uh, and then after that you go uh, according to the scale of the business. What do you think should an early stage startup raise money prior to generating revenue and traction? Uh, again, this depends on the context. There are certain companies where a bulk of the value is created in the product creation itself. So if it's a very hard problem that uh, lots of companies have tried to solve before, you think you have a unique approach to that uh, solution, then by all means raise money uh, before you have revenue, before you have clients because value is created in creating the product itself. In certain other cases, value is created in execution, not so much in improving the concept. In those cases, I think companies should wait till they have started executing uh, before they raise venture funding. So it really does depend on the context. Okay, and do they need a co-founder or it's fine if they start solo? So, uh, once again, uh, you know, there's no one size fits all. In general though, I think for the entrepreneurs themselves, it is better to have co-founders than to go through this journey alone. Because this is in the end a very, very lonely journey. Even if you are successful, you are not able to share your, uh, uh, your, your problems, your aspirations, your, uh, uh, your hopes and fears uh, with anybody in the organization but the co-founders. Uh, so, uh, second, it becomes very easy to give up when you are alone. When you are multiple founders, you sort of egg each other on and resilience builds up in the organization when you are multiple people. Third, as smart as individuals can be, everybody has their blind spots. And when you're a team of two or three founders, you are able to cover for each other's blind spots. Uh, so for all these reasons, I would advise entrepreneurs to look for co-founders uh, before they start on the startup journey. But on the other hand, there are examples of people who have set up very successful and large companies, uh, even as single founders. Uh, it's just something which is harder to do than when you have a team of founders. Mm -hmm. During fundraising, what do you think? Do one need to prepare a full slide deck? There is absolutely no need for a format or for a deck. I think as long as you have clarity on who is your customer, on what is the customer's problem in great depth, on what is your approach to solving that problem. I think the format in which you present this is irrelevant. Uh, entrepreneurs should not pay too much attention to creating a, uh, a slick slide deck for presenting to investors. They should certainly not create a 25-page business plan to be sent to investors because investors will not read 25 pages. If you are not able to articulate what you do, uh, in a five-minute elevator pitch, you probably don't have a pitch yet. So I would, uh, I would advise uh, entrepreneurs to think through the 
big questions and being able to articulate those big questions as crisply as possible, uh, even verbally, as opposed to spending their time preparing charts on a slide deck or preparing data tables in a, uh, in a uh, business plan. I think it's much more important to understand your customer and be able to articulate what your customers want than create a pretty uh, document. Okay, and how long does it take to raise a round generally? I've seen rounds being raised in two weeks. I've seen rounds that have never been raised. So it, it uh, really depends on, uh, uh, on initial interest from VCs. It depends on uh, how much in demand that particular startup is. It depends on how ready you are to raise money. Uh, so there's no real answer. I mean, you should in general budget for six months to raise uh, capital. If you're not able to raise six months after you started out fundraising, you probably should go back to the drawing board, uh, assess what you need to change, uh, whether you need to show more traction before you go out again. Uh, but certainly you should not plan for you know, completing your fundraise in a month's time. Okay, so uh, any suggestion for entrepreneurs who are ready to raise? I think if you focus on uh, just answering two or three big questions, you will be in good shape. One, have you assembled the right people around you as co-founders uh, to be able to successfully attack the problem you've gone about solving? Two, do you really, have you really identified a group of people who will be your early customers and understood their problem in great depth. Uh, three, is that is your solution going to be uh, applicable to a large market uh, which would make it attractive to uh, venture investors? I think if you have good answers to these three questions, you should be in very good shape. Well, that's all the question I have. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Next week, I'll talk with Parag Dhil, a venture capitalist with 20 years of experience. And the topic of discussion would be same, startup fundraising. As always, come back and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. To stay updated with all the latest happenings, you can follow me on Twitter. You'll find the link in show notes. Enjoy the rest of your day. See you next time. Bye-bye.